What does Bubba Wallace do right here? Is he going to make this block? Is he going to stay in the bottom lane? Right now, he doesn't have to make a decision, but he's getting ready to. Here comes a big push for Logano. Oh, oh around goes the 37. Priest is around. He catches the 24 as well as the 21. Caution comes out. Bubba Wallace win. The caution came out, was in front of the field. The rain started then right away. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We've got a jam-packed episode this week once again, and it's a cutoff race. So we're going to start this week's episode by taking a quick look back. How could we not look back at Talladega? What a weekend. So we're going to see how we did, talk about what happened for anyone that's living under a rock. Then main focus of this episode, the Roval at Charlotte. It's a cutoff playoff race. We're going to talk about all of our types of picks, winners, finishing position, props, head-to-heads, everything is involved this week. And then we are treated to a visit from Jordan Maccabee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. He is back. He's a visitor that has come through many times this year, and he's back. We're going to talk a lot about daily fantasy. He is the king of DFS, and uh, we're going to pick his brain about how to put together a roster this week, amongst many other things. So we're Happy to have Jordan on once again, and he will be at the end of the podcast. So let's take a look back at Talladega. And of course, we have to start with the fact that it's Bubba Wallace's first career win. He was going off at plus 2,500, at least on DraftKings. And I threw a little bit of money on Bubba on Sunday before the race got postponed and ended up kind of saving me. We'll get to our bets in just a second. But um, obviously, historic win. A lot of people you know, in the NASCAR world saying it was fixed because of the rain. That clearly is just not true. Um, what happened was that they had the rain coming, and the guys knew about it, and the racing picked up. I mean, business was booming in the end of that stage. Those guys got the word that the rain was coming, and you could see the way that they were racing changed completely and a lot of different guys in the mix we saw some great racing christopher bell up front we saw denny hamlin kind of leading uh christopher bell along kind of coaching him through that being his his pusher there and random guys like jumping up to the front trying to take advantage of it while bubba wallace was the one who survived got a little bit bailed out by the wreck that happened there only two real wrecks that took place, and uh, the, the one with Ryan Priest, as we'll talk about in a second, was the one that ended the race. And, you know, overall, I'd say that it was great. Bubba won, you know, a lot of media attention on NASCAR. First African-American driver in 60-plus years to have that happen. Um, so, yeah, big deal for NASCAR. I won a little bit of money on him, even though I talked about going against him in a head-to-head matchup. Um, you know, I did sprinkle some money on some random guys like that, but 
I did feel a little bit gypped. I mean, the, the rain coming really sucked. The, the delay to Monday sucked. And then to have the rain get cut short, it definitely sucks. And all that NASCAR Twitter really turns to talk about then after, you know, the, the conversations of, oh, well, this was just fixed because it was Bubba. Um, after all that stuff got squashed because there was a huge downpour that took place, basically NASCAR made the right call. Uh, after that all subsided, then it just turns to, well, why does this track not have lights? And I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I don't know how you can have a playoff race shortened and feel good about that. Shortened because of rain or weather. Um, you should have lights. In order to be a, a playoff track, the requirement should be you have lights. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. I'm, not, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, I'm assuming. Especially when we see how cool it is at Daytona. Uh, I don't know why they're holding out. I mean, I know it would be really expensive to do at Talladega. It's such a big track, but we can't have this moving forward. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me how anybody in NASCAR would be feeling comfortable with, you know, the rain. I mean, they made the right call, like we said, from all the circumstances. Yes, they decided to call it, made sense, downpoured, etc. But if you have lights on that racetrack, you still might be able to get that in t 10 o'clock at night. Because it's a playoff race. We need to see it play out to its fullest, um, to run the full race. So that is clearly where a lot of people on social media were going with this, and, and I couldn't agree more. Um, so because we didn't get that full race in, even though I had a little bit of money on the Moneyline winner, I still felt a little bit chipped there. Um, so that I, I just can't really seem to get over because I just love Talladega so much. I just love watching it. I don't want to see it halfway i want to see it all the way to the end um so our picks struggled a little bit you know uh that we called out on the the podcast last week we just missed i think we called out logano uh as somebody and he was up there at the end there but um money line pick obviously we didn't take bubba he was a long shot we we missed him in the head-to-head -head matchup tyler reddick didn't get a chance to even fight for it because he got wrecked uh, earlier in the race, Ryan Priest, I was loving him. He was just dominating for our top 20. He gets wrecked at the very end. No fault of either of those two guys. And they, I just called it out on uh, Instagram. We got Talladega. Uh, Derek, our, our guy who's been on here a few times for the, the face-off, he, he messaged me and said, hey, we need a shirt that says, uh, I got Talladega. Because our parlays got Talladega. I mean, it sucks when your guy gets wrecked. For no reason, no fault of his own. And that is, you know, what to expect. But it just doesn't make it any easier to swallow. So, you know, those picks, they definitely hurt. Um, we have Logano, though, for a top five. We called him out to win the race, but also his odds, you know, plus 140 for a top five. So that was uh, a little good. We went 2-1 and one in the head-to-head -head matchups. Um, it was that Reddick over, uh, uh, excuse me, Reddick over um, Wallace that, you know, didn't work out for us, but when Wallace goes in and wins the whole damn thing, it makes it, you know, a little easier to deal with Reddick getting dumped um, at the uh, first wreck there. So overall, though, Wallace, uh, for me personally, saved me, but the podcast, we were following every single one of the picks that we threw out there, didn't really work out. It was not a great outcome for the picks that we called out. Um, the other races, the truck race and Xfinity, I mean, we had guys, first-time winners in all three races, 
crazy stuff. I actually went back. I didn't know what uh, Tate's odds were and uh, the Xfinity winner's odds were to win the race. I was trying to find them retroactively and I couldn't. So I just went back and just assumed, I'd have to imagine that they were longer than 2,500, but I went 2,500 times three and tried to see what that would be. And throwing $1 on that, you would win $13,000. So probably you're looking at like maybe 20 grand if you really got those odds. So if you were somebody that predicted the winner of all three of these races, you were an absolute monster. Uh, we had our guy Nick out there tag us in an Instagram story before the cup race with the two random winners from the trucks and Xfinity. Um, and, and I said, like, this is the type of stuff that just keeps me up at night. It just drives me nuts. Like, I got to eventually just pull away from what all the stats are saying and just start throwing random stuff in like that because, hey, you know, you could get lucky at these super speedways. Um, the one takeaway that I wanted to throw out there was stemming from some frustration from the truck race because I had Friesen over Chandler Smith in that head-to-head matchup, and I went all in on that. And Smith wrecked earlier, and then Friesen's up there in the top three, and the announcers are, are jocking him you know, pretty hard and, and saying it's Friesen season. Playoff is Friesen season. I was like, oh, my God, please no. And then sure enough, they jinxed him, and he gets wrecked. So because Smith was able to continue, Friesen went to the uh, pit road and ended up going to the garage. He gets beat by Smith. Now, I want to compare that to what happened with Larson, right? Because both guys are competing for a championship. And this is the difference, right? Friesen, I'm not going to bet on him the rest of the year. I'm just so rubbed the wrong way because you've got two guys who are top four for the championship, and both guys get wrecked. Larson got wrecked early. Friesen got wrecked later, maybe with like 15 laps to go. But both guys went to pit road, and Larson's team was able to get him back out on that racetrack to keep running laps so that, you know, if there was an opportunity, if that race ran full, he would have earned even more points than he did. Meanwhile, Friesen's team, he took that car, that truck, down pit road. That was driving. And then they did something to it to make it not drivable. They had to take it to the garage. And the announcers and you know Fox did not put any more attention onto him other than saying, okay, well, he's in the garage now. Um, that, to me, is a championship difference. How can you take a vehicle that was able to get from the wreck to pit road? He was flying. Like, he was moving. And then all of a sudden, he, he pulls out of pit road, and he can't do it anymore. That drove me absolutely up a wall. you got to get your driver back out on that racetrack. I know it's sour grapes because we lost the bet, but to me, that's the difference. you got Larson. He's competing for a championship. Friesen, now he's below the cut line, and it's well-deserved in my opinion. Like, How do you fuck that up that bad? It just drives me nuts. So um, that's a takeaway. You know, Whether it's at a super speedway race or not, it's, it's really championship mentality. And for that reason, I can't take Friesen um, for the rest of the season. And that's a nice little rhyme there to close out my rant. So great stuff at Talladega all around. If you're a fan of new winners and, and wonky stuff, uh, congrats to Bubba Wallace, obviously. First career win. McDonald's getting back on the board. First time since like 94. Pretty wild stat there. Um, so all around Talladega, you know, 
produced some good racing. Just wish we saw more of it. Um, so now moving ahead to the Roval. This is the third race in the round of 12 for the Cup Series, the cutoff race. And let's take a look at the track stats to kick some things off. They're not many. Three races in the history of the Charlotte Roval. Um, so if you're a newer fan of NASCAR, you've seen all of these. Um, the winner has started on the pole zero times. Uh, one time, the winner has started in the top five. Starting in the top ten, it's been twice. Nobody has won starting outside of the top 20. Uh, Chase Elliott in 2019 started 19th. So that was the furthest back. So it was Chase won the last two races here, as we'll talk about. And Ryan Blaney won the first race. So just two winners here. Uh, looking at road courses overall in NASCAR to give you kind of more of a, a foundation from what you're used to talking about, 77 road course races in the cup series history the winner has started on the pole 15 times top five 55 percent top 10 it's about 70 percent of the time they're starting there and uh overall it's only happened three times where the winner on a road course has started outside of the top 20 so hendrick this year dominating the road course four of the last six races this year on road courses chase with two larson with two those are the guys and, um, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, definitely a force this season for, you know, good reason. I mean, they've got the guys who can do it. So this being a cutoff race, we've got guys that are in the back, you know, Byron, Bell, Bowman, uh, the Killer Bees. They're looking to basically go checkers or wreckers. They're going to have to pull something off. Um, so this is a, a must win for those guys. Harvick is about minus nine. I think he has a possibility to maybe point himself in, but he's going to have to really just drive to survive maybe the first half of this race and then kind of see where he is points-wise. And then if it's get up and go, we'll see what happens. But uh, he's the only guy that's really pointable. The other three guys, they're going to have to do something crazy. So that'll be you know pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Now, a slight factor in this race that we're going to have to keep an eye on is weather. We've got some weather in the area all this week ending kind of Saturday night. And, you know, if that shifts into Sunday, that's going to be a thing because they're not going to hold up the race like they did last week because of rain. They're going to run rain tires and we'll see what happens there. So uh, this race to me is either going to play out by the script and it's going to be the guys who are good at road courses up front battling, running away with it, or it's going to be like the Indy Road Course, which was a complete shit show uh, for no reason from the driver's standpoint. It was just completely out of control, and it was just who can survive the, the craziness. Um, you know, especially if the weather plays into it, we could see a little bit of that. So the situation that you're looking at now, if you're trying to talk about, you know, who to take this week, it's just heavy favorites. And then looking at some long shots. So we're going to talk about both of those types of categories here. Now, when you hear us breaking down the different drivers and the different bets this week, I'm going to be calling out the stats for the Roval. Even though there's only been three races here, you know, I think that's building up a good enough sample size of things to talk about. And then also road course races this year. We've done that pretty much, you know, as we've gotten more to go off of. They become more valuable. So we've got the road course stats this year as well. So without further ado, let's start talking winners. And there's only one place to start, everybody. And I think we all know it. 
You'd be silly not to start with Chase Elliott. He's going off at plus 220 on DraftKings right now. He starts eighth in the field. And this is just the obvious pick. To me, this reminds you of like fantasy football draft, or for me, we've got fantasy hockey draft this week. You don't want to do something stupid if you have the first overall pick, right? You just want to do the right thing. You don't want to get crazy. Don't want to try to be too cute. And in this scenario, let's not try to be too cute. I mean, it's the Rover. We know who's good here. Why try to outsmart ourselves here? He's the back-to-back champ. He's won the last two. And the funny thing to me is Chase Elliott must love this playoff structure. Because if you look at the cutoff races in each round, I mean, Bristol, he's a, a force at Bristol. He's not an afterthought there. He could win that race. Then the Roval, I mean, if Chase got himself into any sort of trouble, if he was where Byron is, for example, I still think he is not out of it. You know what I mean? He's got to feel confident heading into this race. And then after that, it's Martinsville, which he proved last year he can do it under pressure. So Chase Elliott is never out of the championship picture, in my opinion. Um, So he's got to feel really good. Now, he's been here three times. He's got two wins, three top 10 finishes. So really impressive. The other one that he didn't win, he finished six. Chase Elliott is first in all stats that matter to me this week. So looking at them in a little bit more detail, his average finish in three races at the Roval is first, obviously, 2.7. His driver rating is 124.5. I mean, that's just astronomical, okay? So absolutely monstrous at this racetrack. In 2021, all road courses, his average finish is 5.2. Of course, that's first. Driver rating overall in six races, 120.7. That's first. So it's really like, how could you argue this pick, right? How could you go against it? It seems like he's just going to run away with it. And I want to be on the right side of history here if he were to pull this one off. I mean, this is different than the Indy Road Course, which turned into a complete shit show. uh, But we didn't know anything going into that track. It definitely opened itself up to some craziness. Um, Obviously, the stuff that went down there was much more unexpected than we would have thought because it was actually the track that was causing problems. But uh, my point here is we've got a a resume on this track and Chase Elliott is all over it. So you got to love that if you're taking him here plus 220. He just dominates it. Five top five finishes this year on six road courses. I mean, they threw the gauntlet at him at NASCAR, right? They said, hey, we're, we're throwing seven road courses on the schedule. Chase Elliott, let's see what you can do. Are you really going to be a a dominant driver still, or has it been kind of fluky in the past? And he has met the challenge. He has answered the bell of those road course races. So um, I'm all in, plus 220. I don't see an argument against Chase Elliott this weekend, except maybe the odds being too short, but I still think plus 220 is still good. So because everything that we just talked about, I mean, I could see him being shorter than that. So lock me in for that nine car this weekend at the Roval. Now, the next guy I'm going to take is his teammate, Kyle Larson, plus 450. So I'm going chalk here right off the bat. We will touch on a long shot guy next, but plus 450 for Kyle Larson. I am tired of fading him on these road courses. I've done it basically all year, and I hate it because once we get there, he's up there dominating, and it's just not fun. If you wanted to fade him, 
you know, maybe you can make a case because looking at his only two starts in this racetrack, he's got zero top tens. His best finish is 13th in 2019. His average finish is 19.0. He didn't race this race last year for obvious reasons, but all season when we've been going to road courses that were not brand new to the circuit, I've been looking back at his history on these tracks and I've been getting burned on them because he hasn't necessarily been great in the past. Now, at this track, in his two starts, his average finish sucks, but his driver rating, actually, compared to everyone else, is second, 110.2. So that tells a hell of a story. He's just not getting the finishes in those two starts, but he's performing well enough to get really good driver rating stats. Now, in 2021, everything has changed. I mean, his numbers in this year at road courses are, are phenomenal. He's got two wins, four top fives, and six starts. In the Indy road course, he finished third after getting shuffled back. He was able to fight back through all that craziness and, and get a good finish. Now, Indy road course, you know, that track, it was just so much of a shit show that do you even really want to bother with that? But in Kyle Larson's case, I kind of give him even more credit because he fought through to get a third place finish there. So that's interesting. Uh, his second in average finish to chase, 8.8 .8 this season. Second in driver rating, 119.3. So, I mean, it's exactly same thing as Chase, except he's just second in every category. So if you can take the top two guys in every category, like why the hell not? Um, from the season standpoint, right, non, just all tracks, not just looking at road courses, he has finished outside of the top 20 only four times this season. And three out of the four times that's happened, he's backed it up the next race with a top five finish. So he got 39th place finish last week at, at Talladega or, you know, way back. I don't know if it was exactly 39th, but the point is he's outside of the top 20 from the Talladega race because he wrecked early. He is minus 200 to finish in the top five and maybe a better bet, minus 110 to finish top three. All of those things should be, you know, in consideration here. But plus 450, I still think that's pretty good. Um, so you kind of have to hope something happens to Chase in that one if you're taking Larson there. But, uh, you know, this is, again, if Larson's up front, the race is playing out kind of as scripted, and then it's just a battle between teammates there for the win. Uh, so plus 450 in the five car, lock me down on that one. Now, my long shot pick, there's a bunch of different guys kind of all shuffled up here, and you probably get into a bunch of them, uh, but I'm going to call out Kurt Busch, plus 2,800. I mean, that's just such a monster number. It's got my attention. It's my long shot pick of the week. You know, if you want to fade it, fine. Um, you don't have to take it. I mean, it's just really a no bet at this point, but three starts at the Roval, and he's got two top five finishes. So he's plus 400 to finish in the top five. He's done it two out of three times. Like, that's an interesting bet. I'm definitely going to take as well. Plus 400 for the top five finish. But at the Roval in three starts, his average finish is 9.7. That's seventh out of everyone. And his driver rating is ninth, 94.2. He's starting 13th this week, and he has improved on his starting position in his last two races. Now, the only race that he hasn't improved his starting position on at the Roval, he was starting on the pole the first time we were ever here, and he finished fifth. 2021 road courses. Kurt Busch has been sneaky good. Two top fives, four top tens, five top 15s. Average finish is fourth, 10.0. Driver rating is seventh. So the, the fact that I'm trying to make here is he is 
within the top 10 in all of the categories that I'm calling out here. There are not a lot of drivers other than Chase and Larson that you can say that about. But Kurt's one of them. He's in average finish and driver rating for both the Roval and road courses in 2021. So you're saying plus 2,800. You got a guy who's just kind of consistently there. If you know you do get guys just missing the first turn and going into the, the wall at the Roval, who's going to be Johnny on the spot? Well, it's going to be somebody like Kurt Busch, who's a veteran, who's proven that he's just kind of there and he, he's able to put himself in good position to get good finishes. So if the chaos does happen, I would like a guy like Kurt to be there. So it all makes sense to me in that sense. He's in the ballpark stat-wise, so that to me is worth the look. He's minus 110 to finish in the top 10. I think that's a lock. Just kind of throwing in some random bets here. Um, that to me, for all the stats that we just ripped off, is a, a must bet. And uh, last week at Talladega, I mentioned how you know once business started picking up there when the rain was you know imminent, he was one of the guys that jumped out to the front. Like he was you know, crushing it and ended up kind of being a part of the, the bubble win, pushing his teammate or his future teammate next year uh, at some capacity there towards the end of that race. But he came out of nowhere and he got a good finish out of that race. So he's got some positive momentum all around. You got to love everything that's in Kurt Busch's aura right now heading into the Roval. So, hey, 2,800, I'll take it. And he's also going head to head versus Ross Chastain. That's a, a, bet that I'll probably look to throw in like a race day parlay. I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards that. I haven't looked into Ross as much, but I really do like Kurt um, as a super, super long shot there. So we'll see if we can get back to back long shot winners here with Bubba and Kurt, future teammates. So to recap the picks to win, Chase, of course, plus 220, Larson plus 450, and Kurt plus 2800. Lock them in. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. So now let's get to some props and finishing position picks. And I'm going to start with a team winner pick. All right. So I called out some guys from other teams, but I want to touch on something that just really has my attention. And that is Team Penske. You can pick them to win the race. Now, to give you some sort of, you know, starting point here, um, Hendrick is the odds-on favorite, plus 100 to win the race for that team. So you're getting all four of those guys, which um, I think, you know, really in the scheme of things, anybody on that team could get it done. So that could be a, a fun little throw-in for you, some insurance in case uh, Chase or Larson don't get it done, and maybe it's a, a teammate of theirs. But the pick that I wanted to call out was Penske. They're plus 950. I look at this bet each week. And I can never remember a team that has a legit shot of winning the race being so crazy. Like, plus 950, to me, is a must bet. You're getting all three of those guys for that value? I mean, their individual values are, are definitely crazy. Like, Kozlowski's plus 4,000. They're giving him zero respect. But the other guys, like Blaney and, and Logano, anywhere from like plus 1,400 to plus 2,500. I mean, those guys individually... I, I feel like there's value there, but as a group, plus 950 to get all three of them cheering for them, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they've got five top fives together combined on the road courses this year. Logano and Blaney, they're third and fourth for average finish at the Roval in the three races that we've had there. And 
at the driver rating stat for the Roval, all three of these guys are six, seven, and eight. So we're talking about drivers who legitimately have a shot to win. This isn't, we're not talking about some random asshole. We're talking about Penske. And, you know, Blaney was our inaugural winner here. Now, I know he was kind of Johnny on the spot, but hell, that might have to be what you need to be. So that, to me, is just so disrespectful. I don't understand where they're concocting that. I mean, they're giving these guys individually um, some long-shot odds, so I guess it stems off of that. But, hey, lock me in. If you're looking for a nice little prop, you get all three of those guys and get to kick back and have some fun with it. So lock me in for that one for sure. Now, for finishing position, I already touched on Kurt Busch, minus 110 for the top 10. I'll call out two more here. Chase Briscoe, he's minus 105 to finish in the top 10. In 2021, he has three top 10 finishes in six races, so 50-50 chance here. As far as his stats are concerned, average finish this year on road courses, 16.0. That's good enough for 12th out of everyone. You know, you might not think of Chase as someone who, you're thinking of the other Chase, that's for sure, but Chase Briscoe can bring it as well. His driver rating kind of right in line with that average finish. It's 13th on the circuit. So he's a rookie, no cup starts, but in Xfinity, he won the first race at the Roval. He had a win and two top 10 finishes at his time there, and he started on the pole in 2019. So wins 2018, starts on the pole in 2019. He has the tools to get it done. And, you know, when I say get it done, I'm not asking him to win the race, just finish in the top 10. And he's done that multiple times this year already. So here's a track that clearly he remembers fondly in his days in Xfinity. So minus 105 for Chase Briscoe stands out to me for a top 10 finish. Um, I think he's somebody kind of off the beaten trail that you'll see there kind of late in the race and, you know, making a push for that top 10. Now, the other guy that I'm going to call out as a top 20 pick, Eric Jones. He's minus 110 to finish in the top 20. And at the Roval, he has a top five finish. He finished third here last year. His other finishes were, you know, a little rough. So because of that, his average finish is a little weird. But he had a 30th place and then a 40th dead last. Third last year, though. Now, it seems like he's starting to figure out. The The funny thing is he has started in the same general area. So he started 12th, 14th, and 15th. He'll be starting 17th this week. So he's used to starting back in the, the you know the chaos, really. And for him to pull through with a third-place finish last year kind of speaks volumes to me. Plus, you combine that with the fact that in 2021, he has five top 20s this season. His average finish is 15.7, better than Chase Briscoe, who we just talked about, um, to finish in the top 10. His 15.7 is 11th best on road courses this year compared to everyone. So why would we not want to throw something down on Eric Jones to finish top 20 at minus 110? Just all of those stats are just speaking to me. So lock me in. Get that guy while you can, because maybe those odds are going to shift a little bit. I, I can't imagine they're going to stay the same, but hey, maybe this is a spot where we can you know, dip on the, the sports books a little bit here and, and gouge them and take full advantage. So Eric Jones, top 20 is a, a great pick there. And then to recap the other 
Chase Briscoe minus 105. And don't forget about that Penske prop bet plus 950 for Penske to win the race. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. Let's talk about some head-to-head matchups, shall we? Because I'm really loving them this week. And what we're going to do, actually, I'm going to break these down now for you. Talk about who I like in these matchups. And then, when I'm talking with Jordan in a little bit, we're going to get his opinion on them. So, rather than do the the face-off sort of thing, we're going to see if Jordan is in line with my thoughts or if he has a different opinion on any of these. So, um, I'm excited to see what he feels about it because sometimes it's fun to get different opinions on the same bets. I can tell you I love when I'm you know, on a certain driver or a certain bet and then through social media or you know, whatever, I kind of see that other people are feeling the same way. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. So we'll see what happens here in a bit with Jordan. But let's break them down a little bit. I'm going to start with Alex Bowman minus 120 going up against Kevin Harvick, the underdog, plus 100. Now, I'm a big fan of Alex Bowman this week. Um, I just, you know, more about Bowman in this matchup than it is Kevin Harvick. That's kind of how I'm judging it because, you know, I wanted to bet on Bowman in some capacity. I think it's going to be tough um, for him to win the race, but looking at his stats, he definitely jumps out to me. So let's get into some of his you know, background here, he is one of only five guys at the Roval to have a top 10 finish in all three races. His finishes are fourth, second, and eighth. His average finish is 4.7. That's second at the Roval. And his driver rating is 10th. So, you know, that kind of tells you he's getting a better finish than maybe he deserves. And sometimes, hey, it's good to have that type of guy. Six starts in 2021. He has three top 10s, five top 20s. Average finish is 14.3. That's ninth this year, which is a pretty decent year, right? He's plus 2,500 to win the race. That is something that, like I said, I I don't feel as confident in, but I do feel confident in a top 10. But his value as a, a top 10 is like minus 130. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think I might rather take the minus 120 to beat Kevin Harvick, just one guy. This is a situation where, you know, if he were to shock the world and win this race, his championship odds at the moment are plus 5,000. I mean, this is what we talked about last year with Chase at Martinsville. You could really get some value. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but if you're a huge Alex Bowman fan, maybe a plus 5,000 win the championship isn't a terrible race because I think he matches up well with the next round, the different tracks that we've got. So, hey, if he can catch lightning in a bottle here and win the damn thing, you know, that's in play. But just talking about beating Kevin Harvick is is more realistic to me, and I feel pretty confident in it. Now, Harvick, looking at his stuff, he's got some pretty decent finishes here as well. Ninth place, a third place, and 11th place. Um, Average finish is fifth compared to the the circuit, 7.7. And his driver rating is also pretty good. It's fifth. In 2021, he's got two top 10s, three top 20s. His average finish, 19.0. So he's had some rough finishes as well as some good ones on the the tracks, on the road courses this year. The first um, long list of road courses in a season. Harvick being that old veteran, not used to this stuff. And, you know, he did well in some cases. 
and others not so much. Head-to-head, though, this year, it's an even split. Three to three on road courses are these two guys. But at the Roval, even though it's been very, very close, right, their finishes are so close to each other, um, Bowman is 3-0 and at the Roval. So he's going to be my pick here, minus 120. Like I said, this is more about him than anything else. Um, so even though their finishes are right next to each other some of the time, I'm going to have to go with Bowman. Just have that good feeling about him this weekend. I don't know what it is, but I think he can get it done against the four car. Now the next matchup to me makes no sense at all as far as the books are concerned, laying these odds. It's Christopher Bell, minus 140, taking on A.J. Allmendinger, plus 115. How, how does that make any sense? All right, this is one that I'm already in on, and uh, I would suggest doing that as well if you agree with me here. I'm going, it's all about the odds. I mean, A.J. Allmendinger being that big of an underdog, plus 115, those are great odds. It just doesn't make sense. Is it because Christopher Bell's in the playoffs and A.J. Allmendinger's just not even a a full-time driver? Like, that has to be it. But it's another interesting matchup because they have not been on the track together at this racetrack in the Cup Series. In the 2019 Xfinity race, AJ won the race and Christopher Bell finished 12th. So if you're looking for some sort of like apples to apples comparison, there you go. Looking at Almendinger though, he's got back-to-back Xfinity wins at the Roval. He finished seventh in his only cup start at this racetrack. And looking at 2021 in the cup series, he's been on the cup series four times. He has a win at the Indy Road Course, the craziness that went down. I'll touch on it in a second. Two top fives, three top ten finishes. I mean, he's a good road course driver. We know this. We absolutely know this. Average finish is 10.5. So he is a factor in every single race that he's in on a road course, even though he's a part-time driver. That win at Indy, like I said, complete throwaway race almost. But you got to give a guy who is able to pull that out credit, right? So... I like AJ in this matchup. Looking at Christopher Bell, he finished 24th here last year in the Cup Series. In 2021, he has a win as well. The Daytona Road Course, the first one that we ran this year, he was our road course winner. Two top fives, three top tens. So that's the same as AJ, right? A win, two top fives, three top tens. Exactly the same. Problem is, AJ did it in four races while Christopher had six races to do it. His average finish is 18.0. They're two to two head-to-head on the four races that they've both been on the track. So because of all that, I like AJ plus 115. To me, I just think Christopher Bell, he's he's just got too much going on. Um, So you could say, well, you know, checkers are records for Christopher Bell. Um, Why wouldn't you feel that way about Alex Bowman, right? Because he's kind of dealing with the same situation. So wouldn't you be on Harvick? But I think A.J. Allmendinger is a much better road course racer than Kevin Harvick is. So, to me, these odds just are not right. And I really think A.J., um, even though he's starting far in the back, I think he's going to be up there pretty quick. And, you know, after the first caution or whatever, you're going to see him as a factor. So, A.J., plus 115, lock me in. Now, the last matchup that I have is my favorite pick of the week. I am all in on Chris Buescher, minus 105, a slight underdog to Michael McDowell, minus 115. I I just love this one. So I'll just dive right in to Buescher on this because at the Roval, his average finish is 18.3. His finishes are 17th, 18th, 
20th. Three for three, top 20s. In 2021, he's six for six, top 20s. He just doesn't miss. His average finish is 14.5. That's good enough in 2021 for 10th on the circuit as far as average finish is concerned on road courses. That's crazy. He doesn't have any top 10s. <laughs> so he's just consistently in the teens, right? Just top 20ing them to death. So that's crazy. He's minus 155, by the way, to finish in the top 20. That is a lock, right? He's done it every time on the Roval. He's done it every time in the road courses this year. Minus 155, that's a total lock. So then this matchup against McDowell, you know, how do you break this down? McDowell started hot this year. He's a road course guy. You'll hear people say that. Like, started this year pretty well. He had two top tens. But then after that, it was just completely downhill. All right. He has not had a top 20 since the first two road courses. Um, so four straight outside of the top 20. That's not good. His average finish is 20.7. So, you know, the same exact average finish, actually, in three races at the Roval, 20.7. Last year, he finished 32nd at Charlotte Roval. So not good stuff. It's like kind of bad juju over there for McDowell. So Busher wins all of the stats that we're talking about here. And he's 4-0 versus McDowell head-to-head -head in the last four road course races. My pick is Chris Busher. Like I said, I love this the most. Minus 105, minus 155 for a top 20. I absolutely love it. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. McDowell... He's too inconsistent for me. And I, if you tell me, hey, you're going to get Chris Buescher. He's not going to score a top 10, but he'll be in that top 20. I will take that all day and night and just say, all right, you know, Michael McDowell, beat that. Beat that. Beat that 14th place finish, 17th place finish, whatever the case. Um, see if you can go out and get it done. So I'll take Chris Buescher all day. So recapping my head-to-head -head matchups here, I'm taking Alex Bowman, minus 120 over Kevin Harvick. A.J. Allmendinger, the big-time underdog for now, plus 115 over Christopher Bell. And Chris Buescher, minus 105 over Michael McDowell. Lock me in, and let's get it done. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. So now I am thrilled to be able to bring back onto the podcast Jordan Maccabee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. Jordan was our first guest of the 21 season, and he's back again, and um, he has just been all over the place, has his own podcast now, and he's the best brain to pick for DFS, Daily Fantasy, and we do that for the Roval race coming up this weekend, so if you're into the Daily Fantasy stuff, absolutely pay attention to this next part of the podcast because you're going to love it. Um, so without further ado, here's Jordan Maccabee. Once again, a welcome on to the podcast. Once again, a familiar voice, Jordan Maccabee from fantasyracingonline.com. Jordan, how have you been? Uh, haven't talked to you, I guess, second half of the season. How are things going for yeah, you? Yeah, it's, it's been a while, and thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy coming on, and um, that's, things are going well. You know, it's, it's been a good season, both, you know, DFS-wise and betting-wise. Action on the track as well, so good all around. How, how have you been? Also can't complain. I mean, having a lot of fun, you know, making the picks. We're, we're coming out uh, with our head above water most of the time, which is always good. That's the good measuring stick, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, you know, like we said, five five races left. Um, 
trying to get to the, the end of the season still, uh, you know, on top. So um, I think the Roval is definitely a, a track there. It lends itself to some, some wins and some hits, but um, I guess we'll get into that. And then uh, since the last time we talked though, I mean, I, I think you are just like the content King right now for anyone else not following Jordan on Twitter um, at Ben. What, what was your Twitter handle again? I don't want to mess it up because it's one yeah, of the short. It's, the, it's the, at the, fan racing online. So fan racing online. Yep. Um, and you started a podcast stacking Danny's, uh, which I've listened to. I know some people that I've had on, uh, since the last time we talked, they listened to it. Um, so you're, you're killing it there. And, uh, you know, it seems like the, the DFS tournaments and stuff that you're in is also going well. So, man, you're just on fire right now. It seems like. Yeah. It's, uh, I made a, you know, a decision at the start of this year that I'm going to go all in on content. So, you know, I, I upped my, my written content on the site. I started a YouTube channel. We started the podcast, um, a couple of two or three months ago and, you know, just going all in and, and letting this whole NASCAR consume me, um, I guess, because, you know, I can vary, but like I said, it's fun. I'm having a good time and, and can't complain when, when I'm putting more money in my pocket as well. That's right. So speaking of that, I mean, coming off of the Talladega race, um, I had talked earlier in uh, the podcast about how my picks worked out, kind of got a little bit uh, screwed up with with some of the wrecks. But I saw a screenshot. looks like DFS wise, you ended up um, really, you know, doing well in Talladega. So uh, what was the, the key factor there for you? Yeah, that was actually uh, I think it was like my fifth or sixth best um DraftKings day ever as far as profit goes um and really all it was was it was playing the the picks that were um common sense but nobody else has common sense so like Anthony Alfredo uh Cole Custer starting back in 30th and 28th they were not high owned when they should have been because the strategy with DFS when it comes to Talladega and Daytona is you're all about place differential you know um, you know, Anthony Alfredo moving up 12 positions, even to 18th is better than Denny Hamlin finishing 10th, starting first. Um, and a lot of DFS players don't understand that. So I was able to this, you know, this last weekend kind of look at the trends for ownerships this year and my, you know, my predicted ownership for a lot of these drivers was very spot on. And what it pointed out was that guys like, Anthony Alfredo, guys like Cole Custer were going to be severely under owned to what their upside could have been. So I just went all in on, on Cole Custer, Anthony Alfredo, Eric Jones uh, was another guy that I was heavy on. And then, you know, like the, the real, the real common sense plays that everybody else was on, you know, guys like Justin Haley, um, uh, Landon Castle, who started dead last. And then, you know, sprinkling in the Chris Bush or a Bubba Wallace. And yeah, so I'd say, I'd say the biggest, my biggest advantage this last weekend was I had a lot of luck on my side, but I also had common sense. So you were predicting what the ownership would be and then kind of looking at some of the, what you thought would be lower ownership guys and just going in on all of them to try to play the opposite of what everybody else is going to play. And then just cross your fingers that they're not swept up in anything. Exactly. Guys, so, and like, guys that make sense too. Like yeah, not just so, idiots. So, for example, like a lot of drivers at Daytona Talladega are they go people that play DFS go by the names and they go by, 
guys that have a good track record. So for example, like Corey LaJoy, very good super speedway racer, has a very good track record. He was starting 29th. So a lot of people gravitated toward him as opposed to Anthony Alfredo, who's who's wrecked out of two of the three super speedway races, even though they both have the similar upside because they were both starting in row 15. Um, so you can really get an advantage um, by analyzing stuff like that and, and knowing where everybody else is going to be and just kind of position yourself to where if Corey LaJoy has an issue and Anthony Alfredo doesn't, you are in a much better position with the exact same upside. Um, and yeah, that's, and then, like Very I cool. said, after that, it, it's, it's all luck, you know, it's, it's who survives the wrecks and we didn't get a ton of wrecks, but, you know, did get uh, Ryan Priest. Um, he was very high owned in DFS last week, uh, as well as Justin Allgaier. I stayed away from Allgaier just because I personally don't like the guy, but uh, I, I had plenty of priests and, you know, I still, there were very few of my lineups that, that didn't cash, uh, even with priests on them. So definitely a good week. Um, I didn't bet much last week. So overall a good week. I, I don't like betting on, on Talladega. It's definitely a, uh, you know, a blood pressure race. That's for sure. I mean, I had a, a heavy bet on Priest to finish top 20, so that last one really killed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that, you know, totally understand. I think I talked last week, like, there, there's people that avoid betting on the, the super speedways for good reason, and then there's there's people who love it for that, like, crazy up-and-down roller coaster ride um, because when you can cash in, it's just a great feeling. But um, that's great stuff, great analysis uh, for the DFS stuff. So, real quick, before we get to that for the Roval, playoff picture just kind of ask you point blank do you think anybody in the bottom four is going to make it in like any any surprises do you think that the eight now are going to be the eight come on day um if i was if i was kyle bush i'd be very concerned because he's while he's a very good road course racer he's not he has not been good at rovals and it's not that he hasn't been fast it's that i think he's a little too aggressive for these track types you know these faster track types and i think that's what hits him so i could see kyle bush taking himself out uh, on Sunday, you have to consider Christopher Bell a threat to win. I mean, he's basically going to be in a must-win situation. Um, he's only 28 points behind the cutoff line, but I'm still considering that must-win. Um, same with Byron and Bowman. Bowman has a solid track record here. I don't see him getting in. Um, Byron has had bad luck on road courses all year. I don't see him winning. So if anybody's going to get in to the top eight, that's not currently in there. I'd say Bell has the best chance to to actually go out right and win it. Um, and maybe, you know, Kyle Busch slips out just because of how he performs at these Rovals and either Kevin Harvick or Bell then points in. But um, as far as, you know, trying to definitively say that this top eight is going to change, I don't think it's going to change. I think I think we have the eight that we're going to have for the next round, and, and this is going to be a pretty uneventful Sunday at Charlotte. But – you know, I thought the same thing at Daytona Road Course this year. I thought the same thing at um, Indy Road Course, and we know what happened there. It was just complete shit shows. So, yeah, um, yeah. anything can definitely happen. I mean, we've seen we've seen in this race, you know, the entire field overdrive turn one, or that's what the narrative is. But I, I'm 95 percent sure there was oil on the track. But still, <laughs> the entire the entire field went into turn one with basically no brakes and all slammed into the wall and and. We could easily see that again on Sunday. Yeah, that, the, the way I'm kind of thinking of it is like, it's either going to be exactly what we think it's going to be and the players that we think are going to be up there or it's going to be a complete 
you know, chaos situation. And it's like, okay, well, who can, who can pull themselves up other bootstraps and survive? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, but I, I kind of wish there was a bet out there, a book out there that would offer, you know, is the top eight going to advance the way it is or will it change? You know, it'd probably be like minus 140 for, for saying the way it is. And, and I think I would be interested in like, you know, digging into that a little bit further. I mean, I think the way you just broke it down was good for anyone that would want to take the opposite, but that's the type of stuff that I'm, I'm hoping we start to see, you know, as years go by um, as NASCAR gets more popular with the sports books. Um, so yeah, good stuff. I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Um, I, I think, I think, Bowman has, like you said, track history, and and I just don't think he has enough to, to actually win the race um, mm. to, to shock anyone. So um, it's probably going to be someone taking themselves out, which would be unfortunate for them. Right. Um, so moving then to DFS, um, I guess, you know, I mean, you are the, the go-to guy for DFS. That's why I love, you know, talking with you on here. Um, so I like asking just like novice questions and then having you kind of mold it into the right way to go here. So my first question, I hadn't seen, uh, at least on DraftKings, the, the values out yet. Um, and I know you kind of, you know, predict that stuff. Um, so you might be able to kind of answer based on that, but I'm assuming that based on the odds to win the race, Larson and and Elliot are going to be super high priced. Um, my first question to you is, is it worth like in your lineups, do you have to have one of those two guys um, in it or do you like stay away from those? Like what I'd assume be really expensive drivers and go with more of a mid pack type of roster. What's interesting this week is um, you know, road courses are kind of like super speedways where, our place differential matters a little bit more because this race is only 109 laps long. So we don't have the dominator points that we typically do at say a a mile and a half track. That's, you know, 267 laps or a short track. That's 500 laps. Like we don't have the dominator points to, to really make, um, you know, where the chase Elliott's are a slam dunk play if he's going to go out there and lead the most laps. So, as far as, and like you said, we don't have, we don't have driver salaries yet. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they price these guys because FanDuel's came out a little bit ago and they all, they have uh, Elliot and Larson up top, but going back to place differential, we got guys like AJ Ominger starting 33rd, Matt DiBenedetto starting 30th, Tyler Reddick starting 29th, Ross Chastain starting 27th, that all have top 10 finishing potential plus all that place differential. Uh, as far as a requirement of Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson to be in a lineup. If everything goes to plan, it should come down to those two. Um, They're the best on road courses this year. Chase Elliott is the best road course racer in this series. With them starting eighth and 10th, I still think they're going to have to be in your lineup. Uh, I'm not, I probably won't have many lineups without one of them, depending on, you know, how, how salaries are. But um, I do think that, it's still because they're starting, they're not starting on the front row um, that they're still going to, you're going to need to have plenty of, of Elliot and or Larson um, in your lineups this week. And even Truex, you can probably throw in there. Because they're assuming going to be in the top three, top five, those five to seven points from the differential are that valuable um, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Okay. So that, yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. 
and especially, you know, if, if Chase Elliott goes out and wins, he's probably going to lead about 20 laps. He's going to get fastest laps. He's going to be in the optimal lineup if, if, he, if, if everything goes to plan. If, if he has a normal chase race um, on Sunday, it's, you know, that's kind of where we're at with, with road courses and Chase Elliott. His, his strength on them is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's, there's a reason that sports books have him as low as like minus 150 or plus 150 this week. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's going to it take, a, a, it's going to take a mechanical issue or, or something like that for him. But that being said, we did see Christopher Bell um, outrun Chase earlier this year or no, who was it? Was it Blaney at the clash? I forget. It's been um, so long ago. I don't remember in the before the preseason race. You mean? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't on his game in the the preseason race. Um, I know Kyle I Busch came through. Kyle, I think it was Blaney that wrecked himself and Chase, and then Kyle Busch came through and win it. And then, and then yeah, we that's probably right. We saw Christopher Bell win the Daytona Road Course after all of that jumbled it up. But Chase had the best car in that race. I think he was testing in the in the preseason race. You know, just testing things out. But um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's stupid good at these tracks, and there's no reason to go against him this week. I don't think. So I guess the segue into some of the guys that are more in like the mid salary range, is there any benefit to doing what you were saying um, a little bit ago with with Taldega? And because everybody is going to take Chase, you know that everything ownership is going to be super high, so you avoid that in some lineups on purpose. And just kind of cross your fingers that, you know, maybe something happens to him. Um, is that a play at all? Or does that, you know, translate into the Roval? Or is that not really something that you're worried about? It's, uh, it'd be a lot easier to take that risk if, if we were still at Talladega. But with it being Charlotte, the, the Roval, um, I don't think it's going to be very smart to, to take that. Obviously, in maybe like a single entry contest, you know, where, Chase Elliott's ownership is going to be even higher than it would be in a general tournament. There's an opportunity there to maybe, you know, I might do that once or twice, but as far as like a full on strategy of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pick the best, the best road course racer this week and hope something goes wrong. Like in the long run, that's not going to work out for you. So I, I wouldn't recommend that in any, any major fashion. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So then if you have Chase at the top of your lineup, um, we'll, we'll talk about guys at the, the very bottom uh, kind of holding up the, the caboose. But who do you use as far as like your core in the, the center um, of the, the list of different salaries that stand out to you this week as like kind of the must plays uh, in that area? Uh, again, that's that's hard to answer just because we don't have salaries right now. Um, that's true. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's all going to depend on where they price those guys that I mentioned before, like the Chastain's, the Reddick's, the Benedetto Priest. I expect Almendinger to be up there with Larson and Elliott. Um, so that's probably a decision you're going to have to make. I, I, if I had to guess, you probably, you definitely won't be able to throw in Elliott, Larson, and Almendinger into one lineup. Um, but, you know, if they price De Benedetto and Reddick and Chastain, all up in the you know top 20 percent of salaries this week 
that's when it's going to become very uh, difficult, not difficult, but you're going to have to really think about how you build this lineup. Um, the bad thing about DraftKings and DFS after a super speedway race is we have so many good drivers starting so far back because they wrecked. Uh, and it really, it makes the DFS slate super, like you just have to, you, everyone ends up pretty much on a very similar build. Um, and then you're either all splitting the prizes or something crazy happens and, you know, you're, you're done because, you know, Chase Elliott wrecks out or something. But um, as far as, you know, like some of the guys that I think are going to be lower priced and still be good plays. I always like Chris Busher at road courses. He hasn't finished worse than 20th at a road course since I think 2016. Like it's been like a ton of rate. He was driving for a front row the last time he hasn't finished top 20. Uh, same with Michael McDowell. He's always been strong on road courses. Chase Briscoe is a, a go-to guy for me on road courses. The, some of those guys in the, in the mid range that don't have the, the super high upside with place differentials, uh, from their starting spot is probably going to be where you need to make your decisions this week. Um, even Austin Dillon starting 14th is, is going to be, you know, someone that probably needs to be on your radar because even though his road course history is awful, he's better this year. And um, it's, yeah. It, I, so I think it's going to come down to guys like that, guys like Chase Briscoe, Michael McDowell, Chris Busher, Austin Dillon, um, and go from there for, for you to be saying that about Austin Dillon, I think is a pretty big deal from our conversations yeah. in the past, but I'm um, looking at his stats this year. I mean, he's got four top 15. So I would imagine that that is pretty decent on uh, road courses. So that's a pretty big improvement from the last few years for him. Um, mm -hmm. So what you're saying rings true. And one um, thing you have to, you have to remember this week when you're, when you're looking at the road course data, when you're, you know, throwing it all together, Indy road course what like, as far as I'm concerned, you can take Indy road course and completely throw that out. Like don't even look at it because everything was so screwed up in that race from the curb incidents that it's to me, I, I'm literally not even looking at that data this week. I, it's not in any of my observations. I'm not even referencing it. Um, and kind of the same way with circuit of the Americas, just because it was in the rain. And, you know, we had those wrecks and it was just, it's not good data. Like we have from Sonoma, like we have from road America, like we have from Watkins Glen. So that's, that's always one thing to, to really consider this week is taking a look back at how the races have played out this year on the road courses. A lot of them have had major issues that impacted the race. And that's something we're not very used to seeing on road courses you know, when we, when we just came or just raced at Sonoma and, and Watkins Glen every year, we didn't see many major issues. And then they started throwing these robles in and all of a sudden we get pileups in turn one. We get, we get a rain issue at Daytona. We get rain at Charlotte Roval uh, one of those years. We got rain at Circuit of the Americas. And then the entire curb gets screwed up at, at Indy Road Course. Um, just major incidents that kind of, especially at Indy, like I said, renders that data completely useless. So um, always take all that with a grain of salt. And it, it's, it might be beneficial, you know, even though we've had six road course races this year to still lean somewhat heavily on the road courses of previous years, because 
um, it's, that's just kind of what we're dealing with right now. That's a, a really good point. And it's funny because, you know, I use different websites that I can kind of filter through, but I do have my own like spreadsheets that I keep track of some things on. And, and I didn't even put the Indy road course stats in there <laughs> for that yeah. reason. Uh, it, it just wasn't worth my time. I mean, I think you give credit to people like Almondinger for kind of being there and being able to get it done in the end. Like there's something to be said about that. But as far as like, I mean, he was kind of a throw in anyway, he's not even a full-time driver. So when you're looking at the full-time guys to me, like you said, it's not even worth the time to, to dig into that and, uh, and, and enter that input. So um, makes a lot of sense. Now, I mean, kind of tracking the weather a little bit. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the rain at the road. It looks like it's going to potentially rain Saturday at the moment. Um, and you never know. I mean, that could leak into Sunday. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we are looking at a, a rain situation. Um, and then at that point, like, do you go back to uh, Circuit of the Americas and see who was able to handle the rain or, or past uh, rain situations? I don't think uh, it holds too much weight, but I, for one, like, I'm not, I know a lot of NASCAR fans like want to see them go in the rain. I, I don't like that as a gambler. I want to see them race on the track that we're, you know, kind of breaking down um, the way it's been and, and the way we're thinking about it. If rain, gets involved it just kind of messes everything up in my opinion i don't know if you enjoy the the rain element that comes with uh, road coursing lately or if you feel the same way um to answer your first question about you know the circuit of the americas data i don't know if i'd go back and, and particularly look at the data i would go back and watch the race you know watch a replay of the race and specifically watch who was better when it was raining um I think that'll give you a lot more and just do an eye test on them because um, I think that'll give you a lot of a very good indication of, of who is, who could be better if this thing does rain. Uh, as far as, you know, my mindset, if the rain comes or if the rain's in the forecast, I hate it. It's, I don't like it at all. Um, and, and if it does, like if there's even like a 30% chance of rain on Sunday, I'm probably going to, not play DraftKings, you know, anywhere near my, my normal amount. And I've kind of been scaling back lately anyway, uh, as far as how much I played, I like the Las Vegas race, I put in one lineup and I, I don't know why, but I loved it. Like I had no stress. I was able to just kind of enjoy the weekend. And, uh, I don't know if it was, um, like just me getting old or what, but, um, (laughs) you know, it, it wasn't bad. So I, I used to be where like, I could never take a weekend off. You know, I, I always have to go for the gold. Whereas now it's like, you know, if I don't, if I'm not feeling it this weekend, I'm just not feeling it. And if, and if you're, if they're, if the rain is going to come and, and throw another wrench into this, you know what, I'll, I'll hit them next week at Kansas or Texas or wherever we're at, you know, and, and just go from there. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, that's where I'm at. And it makes sense that looking at it, you know, pulling it up, it looks like it's going to rain tomorrow, Friday, 55 on Saturday, and it drops to 25 Sunday, but you never know. I mean, it could start to leak into Sunday. So it's definitely something that I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, I just saw a lot of memes like last week with uh, Talladega. It's like NASCAR fans posting like, why can't this be next week? Like why? Yeah. This person has no money uh, on the race. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so then rounding out DFS talk, I mean, like you said, uh, tough to judge without the salaries, but guys who are just like 
way down there, um, kind of shots in the dark. Is there anybody uh, like an Anthony Alfredo, for example, at a Roval that you kind of are looking for when the salaries come out to see if like they match what you're hoping for? Uh, or is there nobody really standing out, you know, road course wise there? <laughs> Alfredo would have to be like super, super, super low priced for me to consider him. Um, I'd maybe consider like a Corey LaJoy. Um, but I think, I think this week is going to be so chalky with, like I said, the, the place differential in the back that that doesn't need, that probably doesn't need to be where your focus is. Um, I, you know, when I talk about strategy with TFS, a, a lot of times I talk about just eating the chalk some weeks and when it's the place that makes sense, yes, there is opportunity to be on the other side of it. And potentially, you know, if, if, for example, AJ Elmdinger starting 33rd, trying to hope that he wrecks. At the same time, he's finished seventh or better in all but one of the road course races that he started this year. He's starting 33rd. He's a great play. Um, so in that example, I like to just eat that chalk and differentiate myself elsewhere. So maybe, you know, hitting, going up and grabbing, um, you know, someone, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, really think of someone here, maybe like a Ryan Blaney, depending on where he's priced or, or Christopher Bell, if he's, if he's a mid-range guy and maybe, you know, just differentiating yourself one tiny bit uh, as opposed to going full like kamikaze with a lineup. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I think that's, you know, I mean, any other thoughts on a uh, DFS stuff? I mean, I think that's a good breakdown for the role for anyone listening who is anxious to, to get in there. I mean, any other thoughts that you had that we didn't talk about around that roster stuff? Um, probably not. I, um, my rule, my rule of thumb actually is most of the races after super speedways because of how the starting lineup ends up being my general, um, advice is don't play as much as you normally do. Um, just head on to next week when things get a little bit back to normal. Um, so yeah, that's as bad as that, as bad as that sounds, that's just how these, how these races have ended up for me. And, and it's, it's not fun those weeks, you know, so <laughs> don't be afraid to take a little time off and maybe, you know, just shift those, shift your, your, a little bit of your DFS money over to bets and, and, you know, maybe hit something there. Makes sense. Um, and just to kind of wrap that up, I know you, I get the, the um, emails that you send out uh, and then sometimes you tweet them out about the, the different games that you open up on DraftKings. Random people can just jump in and, and join those. Um, which I've done a few times. Those are just like the smaller, like $5 entry fee type of things. But I just always wanted to ask you as like the expert there. And when you open up like those games and you're playing against people that um, are likely reading your stuff, like, do you ever find that people just have like the same exact lineups as you, like when you do those things, because I'd have to imagine they're getting their DFS info from you and then they're entering like your contest. Uh I would think that that happens often. Does it not? Um, the funny story about that. Well, two funny stories. Um, also, side note, DraftKings literally just put their salaries up. So I'm, oh, beautiful. I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at those right now. But um, last so I, I run my own game as well. I run the slingshot game. And last year I posted my lineup pretty much every week. Like I said exactly who I'm going to pick. 
I ended up winning the whole contest. I had the best year. And by the end of the year, people were seeing how I was doing. And yes, I got, I got so many emails saying, can you please not put your lineup on there? Because people are just copying it and it's not, this isn't fun. So this year, I've, I've, as far as that goes, I've switched um, how I do it. I kind of put in three safe picks and then I talk about three risky picks. And then I do a video breaking down how I maybe would build lineups and, and kind of the general range of where I'm going to be. So yes, that happened in Slingshot. I don't know how much it happens in DFS uh, because I do post like my optimal lineup that my projections say is going to be the best. And you, some weeks you might be able to figure out like what my core lineup is, but I think a lot of weeks I won't, but I was just in the King of the Speedway contest um, a few weeks ago at Bristol with, you know, there's 40 people in it, hundred grand to first. Um, I, in my article, and I didn't do this on purpose because I did the article before I made my lineup, but I literally, for, for DraftKings every week, I put three tournament plays and three cash plays um, to, to kind of help you get on a good track when it comes to either differ, differentiating yourself in a tournament or building a cash lineup and, and who should be your core. Five of those six ended up in my King of the Speedway lineup. Like I said, not, not completely, not on purpose at all, um, but I, I like to think I'm one of the more transparent content providers yeah. in the industry. And that's just one thing I can say is, Hey, I, I was in a contest literally fighting for a hundred thousand dollars. And I told every single person that read it, what my lineup is going to be basically. So, um, I'm sure it happens. I know earlier this year, uh, I forget what race it was, but my, my projected, optimal lineup was the optimal lineup for like 80% of the races, 80% of the race. And I got a lot of DMS during the race from people saying, Hey, I put in your optimal lineup and I've been, you know, number one all day. And I'm like, that's awesome. Hopefully it holds. And then something happened and, you know, it was still a very good line, but, um, but it was, it's interesting always when people are like, Hey, you know, your stuff was on this week. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have to imagine, you know, when you're putting that stuff out there, like you're transparent, like you said, you, they better be, if they're using your stuff, they better be giving you props when it hits. And, and, you know, it seems like people do. So that's great. And I know a lot of people were following you on the, that King of the Speedway contest. And I was keeping my eyes out. See, so yeah, I ended up there because that was, that's pretty cool that you were able to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, very cool. The, the salaries before I just jump into the, the head to heads, cause I was going to have you, break down my head-to-head picks uh, in a second here, but the salary, A.J. Allmendinger is the, the most expensive guy. Are you surprised by that? Or not really because of what we talked about with the differential? Yeah, not really. Um, I, I figured he would be. I figured he'd at least be top three. I, I'm a little surprised that there's a $900 gap between him and Larson, though. Yeah, um, that's that's a big gap. Yeah, and, and same, you know, 500 between him and Elliot. But I think what that actually could do is – take ownership away from Elliot and Larson, which, and, and I haven't, I, like I said, I haven't ran any of my numbers, any of my projections or anything yet. So this is kind of just me looking mm -hmm. at it first glance, but something like that tells me a lot. There's not probably not a lot, but there's going to be some people that go Almondinger instead of Elliot 
so it might lower Chase's ownership a little bit more, which would would in my brain says go heavier on Chase Elliott um, because he's so good here. But I don't think it's going to be too difficult to put together a lineup with Almendinger and Elliott in it. So we talked about Ryan Priest starting so far back and they underpriced him a lot. They have him at 6,000 this week. So I think he's going to end up being one of the highest owned drivers this week. Um, and you can still, I'm just, I'm throwing together a dummy lineup right now. You know, you can, uh, yeah, you can go. Sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, no, it's, it's all good. I mean, kind of cool seeing what comes out live here. Yeah. So, um, you could you could do a lineup of Almondinger, Elliott, Kurt Busch, Reddick, Priest, and LaJoy. Um, and you know, like I said before, before I run any of my numbers, just at first glance, that's not an awful lineup. You know, Kurt Busch should be top 10. Reddick has plenty of place differential potential. And then Priest and LaJoy, you're just hoping that they don't wreck. And then you got the two all-stars with Almondinger and Elliott. And then with that huge price gap down to uh, Larson, though, if you you know, if you didn't go Almondinger, um, you could you really have some flexibility then to to um, get some of these guys. But yeah, I, I think DraftKings. Yeah, first first glance, I think DraftKings did a really good job of pricing this week, um, except for Priest. I think too many people are going to be on Ryan Priest this week. Um, but you know, with with Ryan Priest and and him not being super reliable, you know, that could end up being where you need to differentiate yourself is that is the guy like Ryan priest. That's going to be crazy high owned because of his price. Makes sense. makes a lot of sense. I mean, looking at his numbers, I mean, he's not, he's not a layup. That's for sure. Um, pretty inconsistent, you know? So that is, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, for sure. So pretty cool though. I like that, that lineup though. You mentioned some guys that I had talked about earlier in the podcast, so I'm happy about that. Um, so transitioning then to uh, sports betting, um, I had and I've been doing a thing, the, the full tank face-off, where we come in and we talk about head-to-head matchups and we kind of see who we end up with. Doing a little bit different take on it this week. Um this time, I, I had just before we brought you on to the podcast, broken down three head-to-head matchups. And um, I was hoping to see if I could read them out to you and then you give me your gut feel on which one you would go with and we see if we're aligned or not. Um, and, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, yeah, does that sound make sense? Yeah, let's – we'll do what my gut says and then what my algorithm says because <laughs> I, I have I have that pulled up as well. So we'll see. Awesome. We'll see, where, see if I align with it. I haven't – I don't have it memorized, so I won't look at it till after. Okay, that's that makes it more fun. So, the first one is Alex Bowman minus one twenty versus Kevin Harvick plus one hundred. And I'll tell you what I chose after you give me your your gut. I am going to. You, you can probably see me right now. I'm looking at my other screen. I'm just looking at um, a couple data points right now. Um. I, you said Harvick was plus what? 100. I would, 
honestly, I'd, I'd go Harvick. Wow. Okay. I went Bowman for, for all the, you know, positive momentum stuff uh, that he's had it at the Roval, but um, why you go? Cause is, is it the value for Harvick or are you seeing something in the data? I, I like how that team's running right now. I, I think Harvick is a solid um, top 10 road course racer. He's, he hasn't had the greatest luck this year on them, but what I don't like about Bowman this week is he's going to be in win or bring the home thing on a, or bring it home in pieces mode. And I don't like that um, because I think he's going to have to do some really crazy stuff to get track position. And I don't, I don't like a driver having that being in that position. So I, I think, I think Bowman is a little overvalued this week based on his, um, just, you know, people are looking at his track record and, and thinking he's a slam dunk. I'm, I think he can finish top 10, but I don't think it's a guarantee. Um, and I think, I think Harvick's going to be pretty solid. So yeah, I'm going to go Harvick. I, I would agree that. And I think I mentioned this earlier that, um, I don't necessarily agree with the values on both of these guys in this matchup. Cause when you do look at their stats, like they're like right next to each other, um, depending on, you know, what you're looking at, they're, they're very similar. Uh, across the board so for Harvick to be you know such an underdog pick there I don't necessarily agree with but um, Bowman does come out on top for me um, in the the different ways that I like looking at it but the the you know checkers or wreckers concept uh, that's that's definitely something to consider the mentality of the driver that's that's for sure so um, all right so we're we're opposite on that one Um, the the next one We've talked about both these guys in our conversation tonight. Christopher Bell is minus 140 versus A.J. Allmendinger, plus 115. Allmendinger. That's who I went with. Um, yep. I mean, we talked about Allmendinger at length, but, I mean, anything else you want to add to it in that matchup? Um, the thing about Bell, like, he has – I think he can win this race. Um, I think Allmendinger can win this race. But Bell is so, like, he's either great or awful, whereas Almendinger, I think, is more um, consistent. And, yeah, at those odds, to me, it's basically a toss-up, so I'm going to take the plus money odds there. The, the value there doesn't make sense to me either. Um, you know, both these guys have road course wins this year on what I guess you could consider kind of like wonky – winners um you know the race i mean daytona chase got shuffled back and um and then what happened at indy you know was wild so they're both like kind of the wonky winners this year i I don't see why he's plus 115 i would imagine that's going to change closer but we'll see um so yeah i'm I'm in agreement there with aj so happy there uh and then the last one you mentioned both these guys in the same breath earlier and i was like boy um i wasn't sure if you're going to go like one way or the other but Michael McDowell is minus 115 up against Chris Buescher, minus 105, a slight underdog. Ooh. I would probably go – that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going to go with – man, they're probably going to finish, like, right by each other. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be battling. It makes it fun. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go 
I'm going to go McDowell. Oh, no. I See, I, I think Bush – this is like my – my I love this pick. I love Busher over McDowell, but why are you going McDowell? I, I love to hear the other side of it. McDowell has had more higher finishes. So he's had, you know, he finished top 10 at Daytona road course in this year. And last year he finished 12th at the Charlotte Roval last year. Busher is a consistent 16th to 19th place car. So, um, I like, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, I think Busher's going to finish 18th and I think McDowell can finish 17th or 19th. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 to me, the, and I mentioned this earlier, so anyone listening all the way through going to hear me kind of repeat some stuff here, but the, the thing with Busher, I like the consistency of like 16th and 20th in a head to head matchup against someone kind of um, all over the place, like McDowell, like he could be running top 10, at this track. And then all of a sudden, like he shuffled back to, you know, like 25th um, with McDowell though, the, the thing that stood out to me was this year, he had a great start to the year uh, overall and on the road courses. But after the second road course, I guess it was uh, circuit of the Americas after that, he really hasn't done anything on the road mm-hmm. courses um, and Bushers beat him every single time. So that's why I'm just like, okay, well I'll take more of the, the consistent guy here and, and, really i don't know what's going on with michael mcdowell um i know there's a lot of like speculation as to what's going on next year i don't know if that's playing into it. he's kind of packing it in but um I, I was i was loving the the underdog value there and and the fact that you mentioned bush earlier like all these top 20s like give me another one you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. and we'll see if mcdowell can can match it but um yeah yeah no i mean i i know it was a tough choice i was just uh looking to yeah. see what you would go with there and, and uh, you know, bringing up McDowell's season, um, where he started doing really bad is when we started hitting the 750 horsepower races a lot. Uh, he's not good in that package. He's a lot better when they're in the 550. So um, that could be a reason. But I did pull up my algorithm for these. It's got um, Bowman just slightly, like, above Harvick. Okay. But it's got it's got Bowman, Blaney, Kez, and Harvick all within a half of a point of each other, which is razor thin for those four positions. So kind of a toss up there according to the algorithm. Uh between Almondinger and Bell, it's got Almondinger over Bell by about um four and a half points. So definitely picking um, on Almondinger there. And then it's got Busher over McDowell by a full almost 20. So definitely on, it's definitely on your side um, of that matchup. Okay. As opposed to, to my pick, but well, but yeah, it'll be fun to see how it plays out. I mean, I, I wanted to do it this way because I get a kick out of like, personally, like I try not to look at anything anybody else out there is like putting out there before I record. And then after I record and like put it out there, I like to kind of see if anybody's in line with me or not. So since, you know, you were coming on, I just wanted to pick your brain and see if we were locking step here. And, um, you know, as far as the, the algorithm goes, it seems like that is definitely what I was hoping to hear. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that's fun. Um, I appreciate that. So any, uh, anything else, you know, that was kind of all I had for you. I mean, any other picks that you, you had out there that you were kind of high on or, or kind of leaning on or, any other thoughts? I will, 
I will note, and I don't know if you've if you've listened to our Stacking Denny's episode yet this week. Um, Not yet, no. Okay, so Rotodoc talks a lot about Joey Logano, and when we recorded it, I wasn't too like I was I was understanding what he was saying, but I was like, I I don't think I'm really that high on him. Well, I did my algorithm today; it's got Joey Logano ranked second. You can get Joey Logano at twenty five to one at points bet. I, if you want a long shot, if you don't want to go with, you know, the Larsons or the Truexes or the Elliots, if you want to dip down to that, um, I'm, I'm going to hit Logano at 25 to one, um, just based on the conversations Doc and I had, plus my algorithm straight up putting him above Truex, putting him above Larson this week. Um, that's definitely eye popping for me that, Logano would be that ranked that high. So to get him at 25 to one, I think is great value. Um, and also Chris Busher, you know, we just, we just talked about him in top twenties. He's minus 155 for a top 20. I would, I would hammer that if you, if you, if you want almost a sure thing, like there's no such thing as a sure thing in betting, but getting him at minus 155 at a road course where he hasn't not even just this track, but any road course, he hasn't finished worse than 20th since he was in awful equipment five, six years ago, very good value there. So those would be my two recommendations this week, but I do think Chase Elliott's going to win it. Um, I, I actually bet Chase Elliott. So Caesars today had a 100% profit boost. So I was able to take Elliott from, for, yeah, if you, if you have access to that, make sure you grab it because it expires at midnight. But um, I was able to take Elliott from plus 180 to plus 360 you know, throw a hundred bucks on that. See if I, I think he's going to win. I don't think it's going to be close. So, um, and like I said, go, go fight another day. Love it. Um, the, the Logano thing, I'm very interested in. I'll probably throw something down on him straight up. The, the one thing I mentioned earlier on the pod, um, kind of in like the prop bet area was, I thought it was interesting for the team bets they had, Penske on DraftKings, um, like plus nine fifty. You get all three of those guys for plus nine fifty. I don't remember seeing the odds that crazy, uh, that the, that long in that bet, the team bet. Um, and I, I don't think I mean Blaney's won this damn race. And Logano, now that you're saying that, it gives even more, um, you know, value to to taking that kind of three man bet there. So um, I talked about that specifically, not Logano. But that's that's super interesting. I mean, for him to mm-hmm. pop up uh, second, as far as the data is concerned, yeah, definitely get you perk up. You know what? Speaking of Penske, I did. You know those uh, the DraftKings parlays that they have, those same race yes. parlays or whatever. Yeah. So they have all team Penske to finish top ten plus sixteen hundred. My mean, algorithm, my algorithm has them ranked second, eighth, and ninth. Let's go. I mean, I, I'm I'm, I'm in on that. I really like that. I, I bet it earlier today. So um, I, that, that's another thing I forgot. Um, I'm not, I didn't put a ton on it. I think I put like 50 bucks on it, but 16 to one for, you know, Blaney should be super strong. Logano should be super strong. Kez has struggled at road courses this year, but all he needs to do is finish top 10. And I think that, I think that at 16 to one is, is a very, very good value. So um, yeah, I would recommend I'm- that. I've been loving those uh, little parlays that they've been putting together. Putting together, I know you uh, messaged me a little while ago. Said like they're kind of joining the game because some of the other books have been doing that. But DraftKings being my 
my quarterback account. That's uh, been very fun. And Kozlowski, I mean, he's the if he's the guy you're kind of worried about there. This playoff season, he just seems to kind of like run and find his way through mm. whatever he needs to do. And like all of a sudden, he's like kind of like eighth. It's like I I love that plus sixteen hundred. That'll be a very fun bet to get behind. So I appreciate you calling that out. That's definitely. Yeah. You made a good point about Kez and these playoffs, you know, since they started, he's finished seventh or better in four of the five races. And the one that he struggled was Richmond where he finished 13th, which, you know, that's still not an awful race. So yeah. And he's not blowing the doors off of anybody either though. Like he's not fast. He's just like, it's almost like he's just so much of a veteran that he's able to, to figure it out. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, he went through, like in May and June and July, like that team struggled. That was a, that was a tough part of the season for those guys. And, you know, you have to wonder if, if he's getting junk equipment since he's heading out the door, but he's definitely turned it on with that. These playoffs have started. He did the, they did the same thing last year. You remember him and Logano last year specifically, you know, I think Logano got up to like 18 to one to win the championship and playoffs started and they just turn it on. That's, that's what they do. It seems like. So um, yeah, I, I like that Penske parlay a lot. Uh, like I said, I've already bet it once. I might go back and bet it again. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's definitely a, a bet that has my full attention. So I'm going to be looking at that as well. So um, great stuff. Well, uh, Jordan, anything else to, to add? I don't think so. That's all I got this week. I'm uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Chase is going to run away with it. So, you know, it's, it's hard to have any hot takes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I'm, I'm in on Chase this week as well. Um, so we'll see. Like we said, is it going to play out the way it should, or will there be some manufactured chaos? Uh, we'll see what happens. But um, appreciate you coming on. You've been uh, great this season joining us, so we really appreciate um, all of your time. You can get Jordan on the Stacky De- Stacking Denny's podcast. Love the name. It's a phenomenal name. Um, and then – at fan racing online youtube channel website you're the king of content right now man um so i I definitely appreciate all the time spent with me tonight and uh, hopefully catch you next season absolutely thanks for having me on again well that's going to do it for another episode of the full tank with phil podcast thanks once again to our guest jordan maccabee for coming on and lending his time great conversation there go out place those bets Put those lineups in for DFS and make some money this weekend to close out this round of the playoffs. And we will see you next week to start the round of eight at Texas. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Go. Hell no place to go.